Cashflow Diary Podcast, Episode 223. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of the Cashflow Diary Podcast. The podcast that teaches you insider tips, tactics, and strategies for creating leveraged streams of cash flow into your life. Learn from top-performing entrepreneurs, business owners, investors, and thought leaders from across the globe as they share their secrets to success. Like what you learn on this and other Cashflow Diary podcast episodes? Go to learninvestingnow.com and sign up to receive powerful tips and information that will help you succeed as an entrepreneur and investor. Now, here's your host, investor, entrepreneur, business owner, educator, speaker, author, and master facilitator of Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow Game, Jay Massey. This is the Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki. The good news and bad news about money. Here's Robert Kiyosaki. Hello, hello, hello. Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show. The good news and bad, bad news about money. Broadcasting from beautiful downtown Scottsdale, Arizona. And I'm here with my sweetheart, Kim. And we have a very, very, very uh, possibly controversial show for you today. Uh, the title of the show is, Does God Want You to Be Rich? Now, for those of you who have very, very fixed opinions on religion, like if you're a Buddhist, Christian, Jew, or Muslim, this may not be your program, because we're not talking about the same kind of God at that point. So, uh, again, I warn you now, this is not, if you're very fixed, there's only one way, and that's Jesus or Buddha or Muhammad or whoever, Abraham. This is not the program, because we're going to be talking more about spirituality or what the American Indian called the Great Spirit. And I do believe in a God. I've, I've, and I've gone to Sunday school. I've gone to a lot of different Sunday schools. But I, I kind of had a hard time with most organized religions. So while I do believe in a God, I really do not believe in most religions. Now, if you do, that's your choice and it's not my choice. If you don't believe in God, fine. I think you'll really enjoy this show anyway. So I'm here with my sweetheart, Kim. Anything you want to say, Kim? Well, we got, we've got a couple great guests, and uh, we, have just, we really have just some stories to tell, um, some of the things about what, what you and I did, Robert, and some of what these other guests have done, um, because I know a lot of people are still clinging to their job out of fear, and they're afraid to do what it is they really know deep and down that they really want to do something else, but that fear keeps them in and keeps them hung to that paycheck. So we're going to talk about kind of letting go of that and how you do that and what happens. Right. We're going to make a big distinction between uh, believing in God and trusting in God. A lot of people say, I believe. I yeah. believe. But they don't trust. <laughs> so as long as they believe, they're not going to quit their steady paycheck and all this stuff. And what you're going to find out in today's show is that the more you cling you know, to security or a steady paycheck or things that you can control, the less God there is in your life. So once again, if you have very fixed beliefs on religion or any kind of fixed ideas, only one way to think about something, this is not your show. For those of you who are open-minded, Kim and I and our guests are going to be talking about trusting in God, not necessarily believing in God. And we are here today because in 1984, you know, I met Kim and all this, and I told her I was going to find my life's purpose and all this, and I'm just going to find out there was a God. I wanted to find out. And I didn't want to go and sit in a church and find out. I wanted to find out for real. And so in 1984, Kim held my hand, and I held hers, and we took what's called a leap of faith into nothing, into the unknown. So that's kind of what we're going to be talking about. And out of the process, we became multimillionaires. So our two guests today have also done the same leap of faith. 
And with us today is Russell Gray. He's a host of the co-host of the Real Estate Guys radio program. And these guys were on our side from the very start of Rich Dad Poor Dad because we're real estate guys also. And also a friend, Jay Massey. And the reason we love Jay is because he tells the story of being homeless and still buying real estate. And that's like Kim and I, because when Kim and I took our leap of faith, we were homeless too. Well, I still remember when we took our leap of faith. And, uh, I mean, you, you basically left your, left your business. I quit my job. We sold everything we had, which wasn't a whole lot. Um, but we were living in, Cal- in uh, Honolulu at the time and moved to California. And really, within about two months, we ran out of money as we were building our business. Um, but I still remember my dad. I still remember the phone call to dad going, hey, dad, I quit my job. I'm going to start my own business. I'm moving to California. And, and there was just this dead silence, dead <laughs> silence. And he's like, you quit your job? Because in his eyes, the only way to, to succeed was to climb the corporate ladder. And that's what I was taught. So this was a, this was a derailment in his mind. <laughs> so our two guests, Russell Gray and Jay Massey, They've all, they know the difference between believing in God, which is clinging to job security and trusting God, which means taking that leap of faith. So welcome to the show, Russell and Jay. Thanks, Robert. Thank you very much. Russell, what do you want to say about taking the leap of faith? Because, you know, when you guys started, when you and Robert Helm started the real estate guys, you had to quit your job too, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I totally agree with everything that you're saying. It really does take that. You know, what I've learned in working with you and observing you, Robert, over the years, and Kim, is you're very experiential in your teaching and your training, and it doesn't surprise me at all that you wanted not to hear about God, but you wanted to experience Him uh, by taking that leap of faith. For me, you know, I was in corporate America, five kids in Silicon Valley, and I felt like I'd hit a wall, uh, not only financially, but just wasn't wasn't really seeing like my life was doing what made me happy. I felt like there were problems in the world that needed to be solved. I felt like I had a chance to be a part of the solution. Amen, brother. And I started working on a plan, and then uh, and then at one point I had to make a decision. That's it. You were married with five kids at the time. Married with five children. Holy yep. mackerel! <laughs> and so what? So what? What did you do when you called home and said, "Dear, I quit my job"? <laughs> well, you know, I. I started uh, beginning to build my mortgage company kind of on a part-time thing. I spent a lot of time studying. I'm the big believer in education, as we found out at the last uh, three-day. I'm a fact finder. So uh, I did my homework, and I felt like the mortgage business was going to be a great business to go into uh, coming into the 2000s, and that turned out to be a good call right up until 2008 when I got a whole new experience of faith. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, I was having issues in the company, and finally I had to make a decision. It wasn't right for me. It wasn't honorable for me uh, to So what, what, what did your wife say? What did your wife say? <laughs> you know, God bless her. We've been together for 35 years, and she's seen me through just about every crazy decision I've made. Um, you know, it's not the first time I've kind of gone off. But with five kids at home, it was uh, a little scary for her. But, she, you know, she believes in me, and she, she stood right there by me and got behind and pushed and did whatever needed to be done. And that's, I think that's an important part of having the right people around you. That's great, you know, because a lot of people do when I When I met Kim, I talked to her about our life's purpose. You know, did God send us here? I'm, I'm not really religious. I'm not speaking, I'm speaking more of the, this great mysterious, mysterious thing called the Great Spirit. I said, is there a purpose to my life other than just working to make money? And I felt inside of my soul I needed to teach. And at the time when I took the leap of faith, I was a manufacturer with factories in Honolulu, Taiwan, and Korea. 
and I was making rock and roll products for Duran Duran, Van Halen, Boy George, Pink Floyd, and all that. And it was a lot of fun. You know, my first date to, with Kim was to the police concert, and it was fun, man. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, and but inside was this emptiness. Well, and, and at the same time, I was kind of looking too. But you know, the other day we were talking to a friend of ours, and we were talking about dreams and what was your dream as a kid, and what did you, what did you want, to, what's your, what, what is your purpose? And he made a really startling and kind of sad comment. He said, you know. I feel like growing up, my dream, I, I can't even remember what my dreams were because it's been so kicked out of me and so knocked out of me by the school system and corporate America. And he goes, I don't even remember what my dreams were. And I think some people are like that. So if nothing else, this might be a show of, of kind of reigniting what is that dream and that passion that you've got and how do you make that happen if, it's, if you're not doing what it is you're really enjoying doing. And once again, different between belief and trust in God's Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. And joining us now is Jay Massey, because when I met Jay, Jay is a very handsome African-American guy with a gorgeous wife named Poppy, and I was shocked to have him stand on the stage with us and share a very similar story about being homeless. But when we, well, while Kim and I were homeless and starting our business, Jay was buying real estate. And how a person can buy real estate and be homeless is a story I think you guys should all how, listen how to. How did you do that, Jay? <laughs> <laughs> That's the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I again, what happens is that you made it. I made a promise to my wife. I told her for better or for worse, and it seems as though I was giving her a whole bunch of worse. I mean, I was previously a financial planner and, and insurance guy, and uh, you know, through a series of circumstances, when my you know wife is pregnant, she can't um, consume bread or water. It's a condition known as hyperemesis, and. I punctured my lung. I couldn't walk and talk, and we ended up squatting in bank-owned property, homeless, waiting for the you know sheriff to come kick squatting. us out of place. Yes. So you were squatting on a property. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And uh, what state was this in? California. Well, you were really brave. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. So, you're, you're li- so you were living in a house illegally, basically. Yes. Okay. Okay. And what was that like? Scary, because every day you don't, I mean, I mean, there were times where we would leave and we didn't know if when we came back, if, you know, the door locks would be changed, if we could get back in. And uh, we didn't know, we didn't have, we had to make choices, you know, like electricity or food. Um, and it, it wasn't fun. It wasn't something that I looked forward to. It wasn't something that I was proud of. I, you know, growing up, told, being told to go to school, get good grades and get a job is what in my opinion, put us in that position. And, you know, I, I didn't know any better way to get out. And one day a friend said, hey, your way out is to become a real estate investor, which made no sense to me because I had a credit score of 398 and less than $75 I could scrape together. But um, turns out he was right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, your, your story is so great. You know, I tell you, being homeless and being a real estate investor that is an amazing story. It makes my little leap of faith look not that good. So anyway, when we come back, we'll be going into what does it take to do that leap of faith? How in the world did you finance? Yeah, how did you do that? That's what I want to know. How did you do it? While still being homeless, <laughs> and more importantly, what was the faith that kept you going? So once again, this is Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. And we'll be right back speaking about does God want you to be rich? We'll be right back. Okay. Good job. That's the first job. first segment. Thank you. We'll, we'll do three. We, we do three uh, about twelve minute segments. Goes fast, though. Yes. 
Hey, Russell, you still there? I am. Okay. What you think so far? Great. I love Jay's story. You know, we did a whole feature episode on our show with him, and uh, we got a lot of great feedback on it. Oh, good. Very inspiring. Great. So, Jay, uh, Jay, we'll go straight to you and, you know, get more vivid about it and how you bought real estate, but we're still homeless. And Yes, sir. How, um, did, did you take uh, real estate education courses and stuff like that? Yes. Yeah, so, wait, while you were still homeless, you were doing that? Yes, uh, we lost the house on February 13, 2008. I started the courses in a live format on February 25th, and then on June 18th, we closed on our first transaction. Jeez. While still homeless? Still homeless? Yeah, because we got it. Uh, we were we had to move by I think it was July 28th. Uh, so for like between June 18th and July 28th, we were the only people that I know of that had rental property while. <laughs> being evicted from our own private <laughs> residence. But yes, yeah, that is correct. So, Jake, tell us how in the world being homeless, and it was, you said it started in 2008. Give us a scenario on how you became a real estate investor while still homeless. Well, we lost our yeah, primary residence on February 13th, 2008, the day before Valentine's Day. And then 12 days later, I started learning, you know, some specialized education. Like you've always said, you know, you need specialized education in certain and small little areas. I don't need to be a specialist, but I need to, the specialized education. Uh, after uh, taking the education for about four months, what happened was amazing to me because it's like, wow. Four months later, I end up in a situation where I use a strategy uh, popularly known as subject to. I use what some hard money to make up for the damages to the property and all of the arrears. I helped a person get out of fork. Now, my, get this. I'm the guy who has no place to stay squatting a bank on property, but I help someone out of foreclosure with their rental property. And then I put a tenant in there and start receiving cash flow. And I'm just like, wow, is that is this for real? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> how, how did you even get the money to pay for the courses? Well, I, I I raised the money, I guess, is the best way of doing it. I mean, you guys talk about being a, a good C student. And what I did is I kept going to friends and I was incessant. You know, um, if you want to talk about, you know, the difference between believing and trusting in God, there's a parable about the persistent widow. So I actually put that into practice and took action and was persistently bugging my friends until they figured out that I wasn't going to go away and I wasn't going to go get a job like they were suggesting I do. So I was like, well, I'm just going to keep going until someone gives in. And then they did. So once they did, that made it possible for me to get started. And all I know, this is what I know. I can play any game if you just teach me the rules and, you know, being able to understand the rules now has created a completely different situation for myself uh, and my family. And it's now what I love to do is what I love to talk and teach about every time I, I get the opportunity because my story gets their attention. But to let them know that there is a solution other than just cowering in the corner and waiting for something worse or bad to happen, that you can actually do something about it, that you don't just need a college degree to make things work, and that more importantly, God is absolutely on your side, and you don't begin to practice any faith until you actually start taking steps, you know, in the direction that he's suggesting that you go, and in order to create the abundant life that he's promised. You know, you know Jay, you bring up a really good point, because you, you went to your friends and they said, why don't you go get a job? All of them. Right? Every they last were, one. Right. Same. 
same thing happened with me and Robert when we were we were homeless for a short period and we were going through our stuff and the people around us kept saying, "Why don't you go get a job? Why don't you go get a job?" And it again, it's you know, we're struggling as it is and my mindset is is not that great because we're 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 stressed, we're arguing, you know, we're 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 homeless. Um and then you got people around you who aren't who are saying, you know, don't do what you're doing, go do something else and it's it's tough. It's a tough thing to find when your people around you are not on the same same Once page. again, Robert Kiyosaki, what we're talking about is just between belief in God and a trust in God. And a trust in God, you know, came about for me because I was studying with a guy named R. Buckminster Fuller, considered one of the greatest geniuses of our time. And he talked about in 1927, after losing a daughter and his business and all this, he realized that he was way off course and he'd better stop doing what he was doing. And so he stopped earning a living altogether, and now in 1927, with a wife and a brand-new baby, he stopped working. And he said, if I was doing what God wanted me to do, life support would show up. So it might be food or some money or a job or something like he, he needed to do, but something always happened if he was on course. And if he was off course, God sent nothing to him. So I'm reading this, and, you know, this is, this is in 1980, I'm reading this, I'm going, holy mackerel, you know, I... I'd flown in Vietnam, but I don't have that much faith in God or trust in God and all this stuff. So when I met, so just before I met Kim, I decided I'm going to find out if there's a God, and I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing because I like the rock and roll business because I was a manufacturer for the bands, and I liked the surfing business and I liked what I was doing. I was just curious: is, does God have a better plan for me? But I would never know unless I took the leap of faith, and I meet Kim. We held hands and we took a leap of faith in 1984, and it was the worst year of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> we fell in love in 1984, and 1985 sucked. <laughs> so, Jay, how did how, what was the first property you bought? And you know, tell us a little bit about how how you how you went through it. You know, I mean, because you're, you're actually working against yourself because you're saying, "Well, you know, here I'm homeless. What the heck am I doing? Right? I'm trying to buy a house. I don't have a home myself. How did you get get through that?" Well, there's uh, something that, you know, the Russell talks about all the time is how one of the resources of an investor is their credit and credibility. And when you learn to gain credibility with other people, you don't need this thing called credit or a FICO score to make things happen. And I was fortunate enough to have some really great mentors, read all your books and love Cashflow Quadrant, by the way. Uh, and those things teach different skill sets. And specifically, as it re relates to Cashflow Quadrant, some of the things that you said in that book were things like uh, the belief system of a business owner and investor was completely different. And then I was like, well, shoot, everything I had done, uh, my best thinking got us in that position. So let me adopt the belief system of other people who are doing things that at least are producing better results than what I'm experiencing. So I, I, I just learned to find a lead. The lead was a person with a problem, not a property. So I found, I, I don't look for properties. I look for problems. And then I, uh, when I found the problem, I just asked her, you know, what the problem was. She was behind a few months on a uh, house in California and she just happened to have a mortgage that was only like $600 and it was a two bedroom, one bath house. And I'm just like, I know it'll rent for more than that. And I know somebody out there can find a tenant for me. I, and cause you always talk about being a, a good generalist. So I don't need to be the one that finds the person, but I need to know the person and speak that language. And that's what I did. I just started assembling the resources of people who were, quote unquote, looking for a job and said, hey, you go do this and you go do this and you give me your money and everyone will be happy. 
And at the end of the day, that's actually the first property. I still own it. And then <laughs> three weeks later, I got to do 11 more of them. Uh, it was awesome. And we, we've just been on a roll ever since. I mean, in fact, today, I'm so excited because you talk about transformation. That's basically what we're really talking about in a sense. Today is another step in my transformation. I, I'm closing on my first commercial uh, building today, literally, as we speak. So I'm very excited about it. Uh, congratulations. Congratulations. Russell, what do you want to say to all this? You know, I'm just listening to Jay's story, and of course I know Jay's uh, met him uh, several years ago and have had a chance to watch him progress, and what a great guy, and his wife is just a doll. Um, but what I heard is he went out into the marketplace, he didn't lead with his need, which was huge, but he brought his solution, and the end result was he solved a lot of other people's problems, and that brought him prosperity, and I think that speaks to something you talk about all the time, Robert, which is really the notion of going out into the marketplace with the idea of being generous, bringing, bringing your solutions, trying to help other people, and trusting that if you do that, good things will happen for you. And clearly that's what happened for Jay. Right, and that's what I we're know talking about. in my experience. Yeah, that's what we're talking about, does God want you to be rich? God wants you to be generous is the, really the story. You see, most people who go to school, they have, no, they have really no money skills. They have real not much skill at all, and they don't know much about money, so they become greedy. And so when you look at people who are successful in anything, they're actually very, very generous. Like Kim and I had nothing, you know, when we, in 1984 to 85, but all we were doing was as, exactly as Dr. Fuller says, we were taking our experiences, experiences and sharing with other people to, you know, for their advantage too. I wasn't taking my knowledge and making me rich. I was taking what I knew to enrich others. And the more we did that, the more good luck came our way. It was the most amazing and, process. And we did, I mean, we did a lot for free. We did a lot for free. Oh, we weren't asking for money. We were just giving a lot. Um, for me, um, we had a friend who had a clothing company, and she wanted to be in small little outlets in these little hair salons. She wanted her clothes in these hair salons. I said, I'll do that. I'll do it for, I'll do it for free. So I started setting up these little salons around with her, her clothing. And, and because of that, we had a place to sleep because we stayed in her basement. She but, said, oh, you're helping me out? I'll help yeah, you out. Live yeah. in my basement? Because <laughs> up to then, we're living on a little brown Toyota Celica yeah. in San Diego. And I tell, tell you what, I may be Japanese, but I don't look good in a Toyota. <laughs> At night and all that, it was painful. And today, you know, Kim and I have about 5,000 rental properties and oil wells and all this. But we have rental properties because we're generous. You know, most people only have one house. We have 5,000 houses that other people use. So all you guys out there who are greedy bastards, you know, you better start getting generous. What do you have to say about that, Jay? I, I can't agree more. I mean, I tell people all the time, every time I'm speaking, because I, I get to teach your cash flow game all around uh, the U.S. now, and it's been fun. I tell them that the, the way to make this happen is to be the one that provides jobs, that one that provides clean, safe, affordable housing. And that's exactly what we do. I mean, a few months ago, uh, working with your organization, we were able to pull off an event where we just went to the community and gave. We did a basketball camp and cash flow clinic, and it was absolutely wonderful to be able to give the kids a vision uh, of someone that looks like them, that 
does something other than, you know, just what they see on TV or hear about on the news uh, so that they could have a vision of, hey, maybe one day I can provide multiple houses. I mean, I'm only I wish I, I'm not at 5000 yet, but, uh, I, you know, we're approaching 400, which is great in, in more than I ever thought, you know, was possible for me. But it feels wonderful to know that families will eat uh, because of the things that we do, that they have a clean, safe, affordable place to stay. And you're telling me I get to get paid to do this? Why on earth wasn't I taught this sooner? Because I would have done that. (laughs) You know, this is like some of the best fun that my wife and I have ever had. I mean, now we're, you know, working on providing some more jobs internationally and, and still doing all of those types of things. It's just amazing what we get to do when you begin to solve other people's problems, get the focus off yourself and actually practice what you preach and, and go out there into the marketplace. And as, as Russell just said, you know, lead not with your need, but with the solution. And what's awesome is that the solution is just between our two ears. Okay, so you've been listening to this and you probably were caught off guard just a tad. And guess what? We're just trying something here. It's in case you missed it, if you will, uh, because I've been on a number of different shows in a number of different places. And I'm guessing that some of you didn't catch this one. So we just wanted to bring it to you. Anyway, I'm going to get you back to it in just a second. But as I just said, you heard me talk about the solution being between your two ears. If you want to get a collection of some of my best ideas on how to make sure real estate, business, etc. happens for you, if you think you are ready to become that entrepreneur, I got a free gift. All you got to do is send a text message to 72072000. The keyword is book. Text the word book, B-O-O-K, to 72000. Put in your name and email and I will send you an electronic copy of my book, Cashflow Diary, 10 Steps to Creating Wealth in Any Economy. It goes through the story. It helps you find leads. It helps you figure out the secrets to raising capital all on your mobile device right now. If you can't text, go over to CashflowDiary.com forward slash free book. Again, that's CashflowDiary.com forward slash free book. And hey, I'll send it to you there as well. I'm sure you want to hear the rest of this. So here we go. Amen, amen, amen. <laughs> so, Once again, so, Robert Neal Sack the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. If you missed any parts of this program, go to richdadradio.com. We have all of these shows archived so you can listen to it again, especially for those of you who are clinging to job security, don't have enough money, and are greedy bastards. Well, that's, I mean, and that, <laughs> greedy bastards. That, I mean, that's what I want to talk about. There's a lot of fear out there right now. A lot of people are in fear. A lot of people have lost their jobs or they are clinging to their jobs. They've got family and kids. Um, what do you, what do you want to say to those guys who are, who really know that, you know, there's something else they want to do, but they're so afraid to take that leap, but they're so afraid. Russell, you started as a, in, as a part-time business. Um, what do you say? How do you get past that fear? Well, you know, it's, it's just how you look at things. I, you know, if you believe that the resources you need are out there, as Jay found, you don't have to have them. You just have to be willing to go get them. And the way you get them is by offering something. So when the world is full of problems, the flip side of a problem is an opportunity for the person who can solve it. Well, the principle and you don't even have to be the smartest guy in the room. You just have to hustle. Well, the principle you can give... identify a problem and go find the solution. You don't have to invent the solution. You can go find it and then put the parties together. You know, good things will happen. You know, when an accountant sells a business or values a business, they add up all the hard assets and everything that's in the business, and then they add something to that. 
that really is the value of the business, and that's called goodwill. That's the thing that really makes the business valuable. And as a business person, the first thing I had to learn that my entire job was to go around and create goodwill, like you, Kim. If that meant I did something for free, I did it for free. It was building goodwill. If I had an opportunity to help somebody, I tried to do that. Every time I was in interaction, I tried to give people my very best. If they had a, a, a problem that I felt like I could solve, I'd go to work on it. If it wasn't something I could solve, I'd keep a note and I'd wait till I found a solution or met somebody and make that introduction. And, and if you have that attitude, this type of a marketplace, I, I can't imagine a better time to be an entrepreneur and to be a business person or to be an investor because there's so much chaos in the marketplace and the people who are afraid, it's just, you just have to flip their mindset. If they flip their mind, then all the resources that they have available, they'll see them. If they don't flip their mind, then they're invisible. And all they see is the mountain. All they see is the problem. Well, Russell, 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 thank you for that. Because what you're talking about is the difference between believing in God and trusting in God. Like, I didn't do well in school, and I didn't do well in Sunday school either. But I did learn something in Sunday school, which was give and you shall receive. Most people want to receive, and then they want to give. You know, that's why one of the principles of church is to tithe. Tithe means to give 10%. And most people don't give any money. That's why they don't have any money, because they're tight postures. Once again, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. And we'll, we'll be back. We'll be going into how God really wants you to be rich. We'll be right back. This is the Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki. The good news and bad news about money. Here's Robert Kiyosaki. Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show. Good news and bad news about money. Today we're talking about does God want you to be rich? The difference between believing in God and trusting in God. And our guests today are Russell Gray and Jay Massey. And just last a few days ago, I was, we were with Russell and Jay here in Scottsdale. And Russell, again, is the co-host of the Rich Guys Radio Show, Rich Guys Real Estate Radio Show. And Jay Massey is one of the instructors there. And the course they were teaching was real estate syndication. So we have a firm belief in education. But it's not just about education for yourself. It's education to be generous. So, Jay, well, during the break, you were talking about one of the tenets or the parables from uh, Sunday school, and it's one that I also hang on to a lot. It's uh, the talents, right? Yes, absolutely. It, it, Why don't you share that with the people? Well, it, there's a, a specific uh, parable where in which uh, the author God did ter- condemns fear by the he passes talents out to everyone so no one has an excuse of saying that you don't you don't have something everyone's got something to give and the only ones that are heralded the only ones that are lauded the only ones that get any more the ones that learn to use what they have and go acquire more and that's been a very foundational pillar for myself and my wife to make sure that we are always giving whatever we have, no matter how little, even if you are home, uh, squatting in bank-owned property homeless, you've got something you can contribute to the marketplace. Uh, even if you can't breathe, if you can't walk and talk and your wife is in, your spouse is in, in the hospital, you've got something to give, so give it. And from there, well, that's the thing. go ahead. Well, that's the thing about give and you shall receive. And what the talent, the sort of the talents was, wasn't it that they had three, guy had three servants, he was a rich man and gave one guy some, so many talents, Another guy so many talents and one guy so many talents and one guy bared it. Right. One guy did nothing with it, and one guy multiplied it. And when 
the three servants came back to the rich man, he uh, he says, "What you do with your talents?" The guy says, "I buried mine, I, I kept mine, and the, and I doubled mine." Correct. And so when the, he took all the talents away from the guys who did nothing with their talents and gave it to the guy that multiplied it. And I remember in Sunday school when I heard that, you know, it really upset a lot of those fundamental communists who were going to school, Sunday school, thinking that God, you know, the rich should have less. But the rich are rich because they're generous. And that is one of the biggest mistakes that people make. So those of you who are clinging to your job security, it's because of fear, not because of trust. And there's a very big difference. Right well, you're, well the, the rich are rich because they're producing I mean, we could go back to our, our, our tax expert, Tom Wilwright. He says the reason business owners and investors get tax breaks is because they're producing housing. They're producing oil and gas. Jobs. They're producing jobs through businesses. We're using debt. So they're producing. So right now I'm seeing, what I'm seeing is I'm seeing a lot of people, uh, workers out there who are protesting and wanting higher wages. But my question is, uh, you know, I don't like to see people suffer, but my question is what more are they producing to get those higher wages, to justify the higher wages, because actually who they're against are the small business owners who own those small franchises. You know, so it's not, it's like, what are you willing to give to get what you want? Any comments on that, Russell? Yeah, you know, I'm very familiar with that particular parable, and one of the lessons that I took away from it is the reason the guy buried them is because he was afraid, and fear was the emotion that drove his behavior. Right. You know, we talk about investing all the time, the two investor emotions, greed and fear, and both of them can get you in a lot of trouble, but they're both focused on you. They're both focused on you and your own need and your own feelings. And again, if you can become others-focused, if you can focus on a mission, if you can focus on doing good, if you can focus on making a contribution, it's just a change in a mindset, and the world looks completely different. These guys that are protesting, looking to you know make more for a minimum wage, you know, for doing minimal work without saying, what can I do to contribute to make more? How can I produce more? The mindset is, it's me. I need more. I want more for me. And, you know, you can call that greed. You can call that fear because they won't go out and start a business or take a risk. But it's the mindset of being unwilling to take a risk that holds a lot of people back. And that fear is what prevents God from coming in. Let me give another example between trust and belief here. You know, a lot of people say, I believe in God, but when I say that, why don't you make a donation to your church or American Cancer or Greenpeace? Oh, no, 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 I give my time. You see, if you really trusted in God, you would give money. And the reason I say that is poor people give their time and rich people give money. And the way that works, in it, as far as I can tell, according to Great Spirit's principles, is this. You give what you want. So if you don't have money, it's because you're a tight ass. You gotta give some money. You gotta loosen up, baby. You know, so take that fifty-dollar bill and put it in the Salvation Army uh, ring-a-ding pot, or you know, give it to Greenpeace or do something. But if you don't give, that means you don't trust that it'll come back. And the word tithe means ten or ten percent. If you give a buck, ten bucks comes back. So that's the difference between uh, belief and trust. Most people believe, but they don't trust. So they don't give. And people who want time. You know, who, who don't have, you know, they have a lot of time because they don't have any money. So to give their time, they have more time. And if you want to punch, throw a punch. It'll come back to you really quickly. That's what we mean by give and receive. So if you're a tight ass, give some money, and more money might come back, sports fans. <laughs> Here, here's, my other, here's the other point I want to make is, is a lot of people don't take action until they're up against a wall or until they're desperate. Um, and... Oftentimes, it has to get to that point until they do something. Now, Russell, 
Russell, you, you weren't desperate, right? You, you had a job. You had five kids. I mean, that's like the opposite of desperate. You had a job. What, what was the difference? Well, I, I was going through, you know, the company had been taken over by another company, and they were taking take me through a progression of commission cuts, and so they were trying to make me desperate, uh, <laughs> and it worked. It's just that there they drove go. me out. Yeah. You know, they, they kept referring to me as an underutilized asset, and I really felt like, you know, I was more of a human being, but that's the way they looked at me. I was a cog in a machine. And, but you uh, kind of saw the writing on the anymore. wall. You saw the writing on the wall, so you, you were looking for other options. Yeah, I, I, need, I needed to make, you know, I needed to make an adjustment. The other thing is I was never going to achieve my financial dreams, and I think this is a really important point. You've got to change your herd. A lot of times people just roll along and they go with the status quo. They've been trained since the time they hit the assembly line in kindergarten, you know, to go through uh, a process. And, it, you know, and so they, they just are going down this line. And, you know, part of that is everybody else is doing it with you. And so one of the things that I had to do is I had to quit hanging around with the people I was hanging around with before because they didn't have the entrepreneur mentality. They weren't investors. They didn't think like I thought. And it really, it was hard for me uh, to, to, to get my mind going in the direction it needed to go. Today, I spend all my time hanging around with people that are, that are like-minded, that are focused, that are going for it, so, and it's so refreshing. Yeah, I want to say this, Russell and Robert. You know, the the real estate real estate guys radio show very generous people. We all we're always giving and supporting to each other. So, Jay, one more time, tell us what you know. Give us an insight from being homeless. You know, for Kim and I, he was living in this little brown Toyota Silica, and being on San Diego Beach, and you know, having to go to the toilet in the public restroom and showering in the sink. You know, but those are the kinds of things that test your faith, and those are the things that most people fear. So how did you handle those dark moments? Yeah, um, I was, <laughs> that is very, very true. I mean, it, obviously lots of prayer, lots of focus, and most importantly, it was focus. Uh, like you always said, follow one course until successful. So I was focused on what I wanted to have happen, not what on what was happening. And what I wanted or to have happen, I'm sorry? Or afraid of what what might happen. Yeah, exactly. And people are living in this fear that something might happen. So when Kim and I were homeless, taking a shower in a sink in a public restroom, man, it can't get, it can't get much worse than that. Right, right. I knew everything was coming from there. So what what I started doing is focusing what I wanted to have happen, and I had to do exactly uh, what Russell was talking about in terms of environment trumps will. Period. And my environment was full of e-minded. Uh, individuals, and I needed to find a way to cling to individuals who thought different, believed differently, and were still willing to support what it is that, you know, my wife and I wanted to achieve. And that, that was hard for us because we would have to go to her parents' house for food and, and for, you know, sleeping and all this other stuff because, uh, and they're all, you know, master degrees or doctors, etc. Everybody's got a college education. I'm the college dropout. And they're like, oh, wow, you married a good one here. You know, it's it, <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it I had to get myself into a mindset and I started just listening to books. I haven't I you know, I just listen to books everywhere I go and uh, read books and practice what the books say to do as fast as I possibly can and only talk about those things that can move me forward. Uh, I cut out CNN, also known as constant negative news and, and looking towards the things that have the ability to to help me. Uh, get closer to to the goals that I want. Actually, believing the words that are in the Bible and then doing what it says—that is not 
overly challenging to do. It's just too simple. And I guess if there's any one thing that I, I fault myself for, I guess maybe I was too stupid to know any better. So I just did what you said, period. Good. Once again, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Once again, the subject we're talking about, does God want you to be rich? The difference between trusting in God and believing in God. And the reason so many people will cling to a low-paying job or a job they hate is simply because they may go to church, they may believe in God, but they don't trust in God, so they won't let go. And I think that's really the issue here. Or if you want more money, it's because you're tight and you're not giving any money. That's, that's trusting and not believing. And I, I think, too, what, Russ, uh, what Jay, what you're talking about, you know, it's not easy. It's really not easy to change that mindset and to start thinking differently. But it is easy to start looking for different answers. It is easy to seek out people who are doing what it is you really want to do and start hanging out. And let me just ask you this. Can, do you think anybody can do this? Can anybody do, Jay, what you did? If they want to bad enough. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I think what, that's the key. And what Jay talked about, the E mentality, he's not talking about the electronic mentality. He's talking about the employee mentality, which is go to school, get a safe, secure job, don't make waves, and don't get fired, and just do as you're told. But as exactly as Russell started this whole thing, is it kills your soul. You know, if you don't want to do that, your soul is dying. So, I mean, wasn't the point for you leaving security because you couldn't stand it anymore? Your soul didn't like it? I, I couldn't because I wasn't, you know, I had this thing that I wanted to do. I saw a problem in the world. You know, I felt like that people were being enslaved by a monetary system they didn't understand, and it worked against them. The game was rigged, and the difference was knowing how it worked and being able to position yourself to benefit from what was happening instead of being victimized by it. And for the last 15, 16 years, that's been my obsession is trying to get that word out. Real estate is one of the great vehicles to do that. There's others. Obviously, owning your own business in an environment like that, but it all starts with changing your mindset because you can't think, as Jay said, and Robert, like you write about in the cash flow quadrant, you can't think like an E or even like an S. You've got to get over to the other side of the quadrant to be in the I side. And I just, I just want to say one other thing is that um, we have a, a good friend of ours, Dr. Radagopalan. He's a heart transplant cardiologist, and he's also very much into the Eastern acupuncture um, side of things. And he says... If you're doing something you don't want to do, like if you're working at a job that you hate, it causes conflict within you and it causes disease and it actually will kill you. <laughs> so one of the great one of the great reasons to not do what you're to so one of the great reasons why to stop doing what it is you don't want to do, it'll kill you. Once again, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Day Radio Show. We're here with Russell Gray, co-host of the Real Estate Guys Radio Show, and Jay Massey, who is a real estate investor, realestateguysradio.com. And the great thing about Jay was when we met him, I was shocked to find that he was homeless, yet still buying rental properties. I said, man, that guy's got more trust in God than I do. 